Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host that's usually on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is a man who knows the difference between a lover and a fighter with his pen and his electric typewriter. He's a man giving you a longing look every day when he writes the book. Here's my co-host from the left coast. Here's Wayne Fugate. Ah, uh, hola, Ben Hamid. So also joining us is the man behind a podcast called After the Gig that explores the creative process of making music, life on the road, and everything in between. He's currently also playing drums for the Virginia-based Celtic rock band and one of my favorite bands, Carbon Leaf. They're also known as Awesome. So please welcome to the podcast, Jesse Humphrey. Hello. How y'all doing? We are doing fantastic. I feel like you're ganging up on me from the West Coast over there. I'm, I'm, I'm representing the East Coast. We are, in fact, this is this is a this is a first for us. Uh, this is the first time that Wayne and I have actually been in the same room recording an episode. So I am out here visiting the West Coast, West for, Coast baby, for 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 the weekend. So uh, we are doing this. So this is going to be interesting. So uh, luckily, I think for the scoring for this one. We're, we're pretty in sync, but there are some times where I've wanted to reach through the microphone and strangle <laughs> my co-host. Problem solved. Yeah. So, so problem solved on this one. So, so let me ask you, uh, do you prefer Jesse or Jess or as I've seen on your Instagram hashtag J humps? Yeah. Usually, uh, you know, people call me J humps or, or Jesse. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm not, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't make too much of a difference to me. All right. All right. Perfect. All right. So premise of our podcast, fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each of our podcasts, I ask the all important question. So Wayne, what t-shirt are you wearing? You know what? In honor of uh, the record armed forces, I took a little, I took a little side step and I'm wearing my uh, U S army strong shirt, uh, tip of the hat to the, the boys out there across uh, the world. And, uh, and the old man did some time in the, in the service. There we go. How about you, Jesse? What t-shirt are you wearing? I actually did something very, very similar. I got to play for the troops over in Bahrain. So I'm wearing my Bahrain t-shirt. Nice. All right. And um, unfortunately, I'm not keeping with that, that, uh, that theme. However, I am wearing my Elvis Costello and the Imposters t-shirt that my good my good buddy Wayne picked up for me uh, his uh, when was the concert that you ah, saw December in December time frame so uh, yeah so I'm I'm representing a little Elvis for today beautiful so if you haven't figured it out we're going to revisit Elvis Costello today and we're revisiting his third record Armed Forces so so Jesse I did give you the option to revisit one of your favorite records or settle on one of the records that. Wayne and I kind of had on our to-do list. Mm-hmm. And did did you just find it too daunting to pick a record that you wanted to revisit? It was a little daunting and you caught me at a time where I was doing a lot of stuff. So I wanted you guys to pick. And this is actually kind of nice because I haven't, before we started doing this, I hadn't listened to this record. Um, I was more of a this year's model guy. Um, so I was excited. I was really excited to check it out and check out some of these songs. Okay. And so based off of listening to a few of the episodes of your podcast, I was expecting you to pick a 311 record. 
because you've you've yeah. you've talked about 311 a few times on your podcast. Yeah, it's funny because I I loved 311 so much in high school, and you know you've heard me talk about how it was like one of the only things I would listen to back then. So it, it's a little bit. Um, it would be hard to review just because I have so many favorites and it's also just so far away from the music that I listen to now where I would like, I just wanted to get a fresh start on something different. Gotcha. All right. Well, we're, we're glad to bring that to you. Uh, this year's model is definitely one that I know I revisit. Wayne's nodding his head as well. So let, let's let's talk a little bit about your podcast, about what you're doing before we jump into Elvis. Um, I do have to thank you for the episode that you did with um, Sarah Mahoney, yeah. Stephen Kellogg's road manager. Um, because you included a snippet of Stephen's most recent record, I am now hooked on that record. It's really, really good. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's great news. I love that. Um, and I saw Stephen in the Sixers back in, I think it was 2008. I, I saw them open for toad was that prior to you uh drumming for him yeah so i started drumming for steven and uh, i want to say about 2015 okay um so not 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 too long ago uh so it was after the sixers broke up uh which was in 2012 so steven was kind of kicking around doing doing his own thing for a little bit and just trying to figure stuff out and then I was playing with a another singer songwriter named Dan Mills, who was who was the first guest on my right. podcast, and we opened for Stephen. There was a connection there. Our keyboard player gave Stephen's girls piano lessons, so Stephen came out to see us one time, and then he offered us an opening gig. And after the opening gig, a few months later, Stephen uh, emailed me, sent me as Stephen does a very long like three page email. <laughs> um, and if you know, if you know Steven at all, if you've ever worked for him, you know what I'm talking about. But uh, he uh, yeah, he sent me that email and the rest is kind of history. There's there's a lot of stuff that uh, that went down with that. I'm at Steven's actually the next guest on my uh, on my show. I'm going to release that. I don't know when this airs, but uh, on Monday. Excellent. OK. And, you know, going back to Steven. So I've I've tried to you know, keep in contact with him. Cause I, I really dug glass glass job boxer. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Um, and I've tried yep. to listen to each of his records. Some of them I just kind of did not connect with this one objects in the mirror. I'm really connected. Maybe it's just where I'm at in my place in life. I, you know, I think that this record really talks a lot about, you know, family and mortality and, and, uh, I think I just really connected with that. And I, and I love when I, I connect to a record, you know, it's that feeling of wanting to listen to that record again and again, after you discover it, you got any records recently that you kind of feel that same way that you've connected with? Um, yeah, well, objects in the mirror is definitely one of them. And I will say that when he was making that record or when we were kicking demos around, uh, it was just it felt different than the things that he was doing in the past and and uh it was around the time that tom petty died we were playing a lot of shows and there was a, a big connection to us and tom because steven knew his lighting guy there was there was just like an odd you know oneness with us and the heartbreakers at at one point so that record when we talked about the demos and how it was going to be made it was very much like 
you need to you need to just connect on another level. You need to write the best songs that you've ever written. And Eric Donnelly, who plays guitar for the Alternate Roots, um, co-wrote and kind of co-produced a lot of those songs. And uh, and it just it just became it. It was just there was no tricks to it. There was no you know there wasn't a ton of different sounds and experimentation it was it was just guys in a room playing their instruments and playing really good songs and it was very well executed and will hogue produced that album and and they did a great job talk about underappreciated musicians will hogue yeah absolutely i i know i know will like a little bit um just through steven and stuff but well i mean he's great and and just the work that he did um did on that record and and what he brought out of steven um which is hard steven is a is a opinionated you know hard-nosed guy and uh and he likes things the way he likes them and to have will come in and be someone that steven could trust and just execute another thing and have steven kind of turn over the keys a little bit really did him a lot of good and and i really think he made a great record i haven't looked to see how many uh you know tour dates steven's doing or anything but is he getting some good press off of this i didn't look at any reviews of of the record but i was curious if he's getting any traction off of this you know, you never know. You never really know these days just because um, you don't have a clear sight on your record sales um, and, and streams. You do a little bit, but I think it's going well. I know he's on the road right now. He's in the middle of a tour. Um, I think they played Denver or something last night. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's going really well. I think his fans appreciate the music that he came out with. And I think I think the fans are getting used to the fact that the Sixers are not going on the road right. with him anymore. I think I think there's a lot of and I've run into this a few times being a replacement of of drummers that are have been in bands for a long time. So it's a little bit of a thing and it takes it takes a second for people to get used to it and to get over it. Um but he's just I think the I think the medicine for that is just having a well-executed show and really good songs and, and, uh, being, being good to your fans. Yeah. And he's got, he's got a loyal following. However, you know, I did look at his Spotify listens like 4th of July. How does 4th of July only have 400,000 listens? I mean, that song is so good. Like it should be for, for people who like singer songwriters, that should just right. be one of those songs that everybody knows. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. I I can't remember which song had the most plays from Southwest Northeast. That was the record before yeah. Objects in the Mirror. But um I I remember Steven saying something about like I can't believe that this is like the song. It it, it just doesn't make any sense. And sometimes a song will get on a, you know, Pandora playlist or right. it'll show up somewhere where more people will listen to it, so it kind of skews the numbers a bit. Um, also 4th of July is a great song, but some people, um, don't like a lot of openness or, or like, you know, they don't like it when the lyrics hit the nail right on the head. They they think it's, they think it's too forward. Um, so there's not, I mean, there is, there is like a little bit of, uh, 
I'm, I'm not really sure what I'm trying to say, but people don't like <laughs> it when the lyrics are, are that direct. They like a little bit more uh, um, play with it. But I don't know. That's just kind of how I how I read it a little bit. Yeah. And it, we'll eventually do an episode where we talk about the underappreciated bands that we don't understand why they never got the love that they deserved. I mean, I look yeah. at I look at Carbon Lee, for instance, Le- Life Less Ordinary. Mm-hmm. has 1.1 million listens on Spotify. That again, that is that's a, a, lot. a song that I go back to. And yet you compare that to any of the the really popular stuff, like some of the stuff that my my uh, my kids listen to, you know, I look at on Spotify and they you know, they've only been out for a year and they've got 400 million listens to them. Yeah. And I'm just yeah. like where is the justice in the world? Uh yeah. I know, but we we see it we see it every day in in ticket sales. You know, when we travel around the country, you know, the, the, someone that has a hit song that comes out that's on popular radio, they immediately are heard by the masses, and they can immediately go out there and sell out a stadium and make make a bajillion dollars. So, it's for us, it's a little bit more of a grassroots thing. Um, we don't have like the power of all the radio and all the PR in the world. Um, you know, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of money and, and stuff like that to, to do, to do those things, but we do the best we can. And 1.1 million, million listens for a song is not, uh, there's nothing to sneeze at. No, no, absolutely. It's just, again, it just goes, goes back to my, my comment of, I don't understand why this is not a just a recognized song because it's such a great, powerful pop song. But yeah, yeah. But those those groups, I mean, those people, where are they going to be in five years? Where, like these people who were, I mean, if you're a, they say if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. So yeah, if you, if you love to make music and you make music and make a living and can make a house payment and feed your kids and do that for your whole life. You know, where Ariana Grande, nobody may know who she is in three years. Yeah, you know, you you, you make an interesting point. It, it it's it's all a timing thing, really. It 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 just the music of decades ago is so different from the music now and and the way that we receive the music now is so much different than with the way we used to. So we're kind of in an interesting time when it comes to the music business. Like everyone can potentially be heard because you're because of the internet and uh and also there's a lot of suppression with with ads and stuff like that on on facebook and other media outlets so it's it's whoever is um whoever's got the the bucks behind them is is being heard and seen so in my opinion that they may or may not be true but in my experience it's it's pretty accurate yeah so uh, let me just wrap up just one other comment about uh, Stephen, and then we'll move on to what you're currently doing with Carbon Leaf. So sure. you you played on Orion, yeah, on Objects in the Mirror. Mm-hmm. Was that the only song on the record that you played on? It is, yeah. Um, we actually recorded Orion, I feel like it was a couple of years ago or a okay. year ago, and it was released as a single with the new record, they decided to um, 
do it all in Nashville with Will Hogue. And Will Hogue had his Nashville guys that he wanted to just get in there and bang it out. He had a vision for it. So they did it with the with a separate band. I think it was Brandy Carlisle's drummer that um oh. that played played drums on I think the majority of it. Um, which is not so bad to get replaced by Brandy Carlisle's drummer. I was like, okay, all right. I'll <laughs> right. It. It's fine. Um but I actually um I haven't played with Steven since the release of that record so um so you haven't given him any crap about not letting you play on irish goodbyes i mean oh there was there was absolutely crap given Um, (laughs) but it's a thing that we that we worked through and 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 got over so it's it's totally it's totally cool and and it's just one of those things that happens you have to be able as a musician or anything if you're an actor or whatever you have to be able to um you have to be able to take a punch and and get better from it and come back. So, I mean, with Steven, that's been happening all along for me. Uh, our first gig went terribly because I had to learn like 50 songs in in less than two weeks. Oh. And I was at the time bartending full time. So I was very much like, all right, I'm trying to do both things at once. I wasn't really all into the music thing. And then I had the opportunity he sends me a very long email again and uh and i i essentially lost lost out on touring with him after that first gig for that next winter tour or something it was like the the southwest north northeast winter tour and i basically said all right i asked myself am i a bartender that plays music on the side or am i a musician that is just bartending for the time and you know after going to berkeley and spending tens of thousands of dollars on an education and playing music since I was five. I was like, I think I'm going to be a musician. And, uh, I practiced every day and then eventually got, got to be one of his main guys. That's good. Nice. It's a nice little wake up. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was, it was definitely a, a fire lit under my bum. So right. it was, it was good. It was good to get that. Well, definitely give him crap. Cause the whole, you know, Irish sensibilities of Irish goodbyes, I mean that's 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 carbon leaf. Yeah, I know. Well, my wife's Irish. My wife's I, from Northern Ir- Northern Ireland. Excellent. So it's like you gotta have like you know what are you doing? Not having me playing drums <laughs> on that track. So so let's talk about the, your current gig with Carbon Leaf. How, so how did that come to fruition? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, Carbon Leaf and and Stephen they kind of ran in the same circles. Uh, I was playing on the rock boat with Stephen. Okay. Um, Actually, even before that, with Steven, I started playing with uh, Eric Hutchinson for for uh, a tour, um, just kind of filling in for his his guy. And then I did that for a couple of weeks and did a couple recordings with him. And then I finally did the uh, Rock Boat with Steven. And I met Carter, uh, the guitarist in Carbon Leaf, from the Rock Boat. And I got to like jam with him. And, and uh, I also knew their sound guy, Doug who uh who worked with steven for a little bit so there's a little bit of a connection there and carbon leaf was going through um going through some drummers i think they went through uh about a baseball team's worth of drummers yeah so there was they had gotten rid of jason before the rock boat uh and i had talked to terry when i when i saw you guys in tampa and terry talking about the drummer that they kind of had on retainer but he was like the who's extra drummer oh yes yeah, scott scott yeah. and scott yeah. was amazing 
Uh, we we got we got to yeah. hear them you know, do the little tune up before the rock boat a couple of years ago. And my buddy and I just kind of looked at each other and we're like, Jason, who? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, the, uh, one of the things that we commented at, you know, the, the show that we saw a couple weeks ago was, I think that that is the best that the band has sounded in at least four or five years for us. And we're both carbon leaf nerds. I mean, Eric, my friend has seen, the band, I guess, six times. Um, I've seen them five. Eric is super fan. So, you know, he paid for the the meet and greet, which I got to benefit from yeah. um, to, to, to hang out with you guys before the show. So um, we wouldn't be but, doing this right now if it weren't, weren't for that. Exactly. So, so, you know, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely shout out to Eric because I know he's going to be listening to this one. Yeah. Um, and and I'm serious about that. I'm not pandering to the guests to let to let you know that you guys sounded great. Um, but you, you're not just a drummer, though, correct? Uh, I am not. Well, first of all, thank you very much for that. That's very nice. Uh, it took a lot of a lot of work, and and you know, there's a lot of things going on. And and whenever you're a, a new guy coming into a new situation, you have first of all a lot of songs to learn. Um, carbon leaf catalog is extensive to say the least and uh yeah you just have to um kind of roll with it and you know I've, I've been through the situation before you just have to be open and 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 be able to uh hear what fans are telling you you know you, you, i hear a lot of stories about jason all the time and jason used to used to hang with us and you know and and uh it's just it just is what it is people are people like what they like and some people are afraid of, of change and they don't want their band to change. They don't want this new guy to like come over and, and make things worse or whatever. Um, and I just try to play the songs as well as I can add, add my own, uh, own, uh, spice to them and, and try to create some kind of energy. But, um, I am also a singer and a guitarist. Um, you know, I play a little, I play a little bit of everything, but mostly guitar vocals and drums. Uh, so I, I try to add whatever, whatever I can, whenever I can. And you, that night in Tampa, we saw you on the guitar for the gift from the crows. So that was yeah, a yeah. song that you guys do acoustically and you, you came into the crowd and kind of did the little, uh, song in the round, so to speak with us. That was a really cool moment. Yeah. That's been a fun thing that we've been doing, um, for, I, I think like a year now it's in certain circumstances we can't do it for you know size of venue purposes because yeah. people want to be able to hear what we're doing and it is pretty quiet um but uh yeah just one day when we're rehearsing i just grabbed a guitar and put the capo on a different position and and kind of changed the part a little bit and uh and they were like oh we should do this and and then it just it just happened pretty naturally like that and it's fun it's nice to be able to get up from behind the drums and grab a guitar and, and change it up. And I think, I think the fans appreciate it. And they're like, Oh, what is this? What is our drummer doing? Every, every now and then I'll get some guy be like, Oh, oh the drum, the drummer's got a guitar. Oh man. Um, so that'll happen every now and then. But, uh, in Boston, my brother was at the show and he goes, what's he doing on the guitar? Like he just yelled it out. And I, I told him, like, you can't, you can't do that. <laughs> what well, was, yeah, it's cool. Was he the rowdy guy that you were referencing in uh, one of the podcast episodes? 
Oh, I wish I would have kicked him out myself. <laughs> um, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. And the thing is, I've been running into this so much lately. People that that talk at full volume during shows and just don't understand what they're doing is wrong. So it, it's just it just blows my mind that people think that they can do it. And then when you say something to them, they get all like agitated and defensive about it. I'm like, yeah, but, but we all paid money to be here. Why are you ruining everyone's good time? So I don't know. But uh, that guy, I'm pretty sure he was evicted from the venue good, that night. Good. Which was awesome. Yeah. So what's it like being the junior member of a very established band? Because Barry, Terry, Carter, they've been around for 25 years. John, the Forever. yeah, the bassist has been with them for 10. So what's it like being the junior guy? It just, I just feel so young all the time, which is, which is fun. Um, I just, me- I mess with them a lot. Like, have you heard this new song? Oh no, you guys are old. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I, I, um, it's great. Honestly, I just, uh, there's so much to learn from those guys. Like I'm constantly talking to Terry about recording stuff. Like he's, he's always been a, a studio guy. Um, their families are so fun to hang out with, uh, you know, we get along great. Me and Carter mess around on the guitars before every show. Um, John and I, I stay at, uh, I stay at John's house every time I travel to Richmond. So John and I are like kind of inseparable whenever we're down there and we're always joking around. We listen to a lot of the same podcasts and stuff. And, uh, we're actually working on a song right now that we're sending back and forth to each other via internet, but it's great. It's really, really fun. They've accepted me with open arms and uh and it's been really a really really great experience so far and i'm hoping you do more podcast episodes with john because that was fun that's the plan that is the plan so that that's like the first in a series of like of jesse and john episodes so they're going to be a lot like more goofy and just kind of hanging out and a little less stiff uh but and you know i think it's cool to have kind of the sound of Doug tuning up the guitars in the background, but I think, I think we're going to, uh, do it like hopefully after the gig, like the name of the, of the podcast says, but sometimes you're just so exhausted when you're done loading out. So, uh, it'll usually just be the day of, or the day after or something like that. Yeah. My next, my next note on here was, but it wasn't after the gig. It was before the gig. But it was technically after the gig before the previous right. night's gig. <laughs> there you go. So, if you gig every day, then you're you're good to go. Doesn't matter. Exactly, which I which I pretty much do. Yeah. So any time of day is after some kind of gig. So, so are you ever going to be able to persuade Carter to come on a podcast episode? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. Yeah. Um, he will. Uh, I mean, or I'll just trick him into it. <laughs> there you go. Can you just sit there and put that uh that thing that doesn't isn't a microphone in front of your face and just talk to me for a second? Um, yeah, Car- I mean, he'll have a lot of great things to say. I mean, I've had so many very interesting, great conversations with Carter. He's like an encyclopedia of music, very very knowledgeable. He knows he knows about every instrument. It's, it's just talking to him is is an education. How, how many instruments does he take on the road? Too many, too too just too many. Uh, because we all have to carry him in and out. 
<laughs> uh, well, let me count. So he has, um, he usually takes a couple of, of, uh, like electric guitars. So he had a couple electric, he had a banjo, he had a mandolin, two banjos, a mandolin, two. he has two fiddles. Um, he has a bazooki that he travels with, which is one of my favorite things that he owns. And, uh, what else? I feel like he has maybe one or two other weird things. He has like a cello. Um, I think that might be it. And then he has like two or three amps on stage in case one craps out on him. But, uh, yeah, he's got a lot of stuff. And that pedal board is, is like a spaceship too. And there's just so many blinking lights and all kinds of crazy stuff on that thing. But it's fun to mess around with before the shows. That's for sure. He's amazing. He is amazing. He really is. And I sat next to him at the meeting greet and, uh, you know, I know we were like right, right there with with the rest of the guys. But I paid more attention watching Carter play the guitar than I did, yeah. You know, listening to to Barry or watching Terry play his guitar. So it's just the things that he does are just so they're so intricate, and he plays in a different, just in a different way that people are used to hearing guitar. So and and he can do all like the the shreddy type stuff. And I know that if he hears this, he'll be like, I can't believe you called me a shredder because he hates that. Um, so it, it's, uh, he's a, he's a, he's a character, man. Just being on the road with him is, is it's such a treat, but, uh, yeah, he's so talented. I'm constantly like trying to get him to, to teach me guitar stuff. And, and he's taught me so much just in the short amount of time that we've even just known each other. Yeah. How many carbon leaf songs have you had to learn? Wow. Um, only a couple more than Carter has guitars. <laughs> Cause should... I mean, like Barry changes up the, the set list, like almost every night or, or is it every night? Um, yeah, it'll, it'll change every night. But if we go out, uh, say for, for example, for the run that we're about to do, um, there will be, you know, a, a mass list of songs that he'll choose from. There's a bunch that won't change in the set list, things that we that we quote unquote have to play. Um, but then there is a few that are kind of weaving in and out. And I've actually kind of uh, tried to suggest some new songs to play just so if if there are things that I'm really comfortable with, I'm like, hey, let's let's add this in. And I've always loved making set lists and I don't make the set list with Carbon Leaf. Uh, Barry does. But whenever I see it, I'm like. Oh, that's cool. And I'm constantly like, all right, well, we, if we turn this, if we move this here, then the change of instruments is faster. And we're, it's always something we're, we're working on, um, just to make it better for, for the fans and, and us and keep us interested. So, yeah. You got favorites that you like to drum on? Ah, man, I get this one a lot. Um, I, I think like, what about, I really, I really enjoy playing what about everything because I love singing that high harmony and the yeah. chorus and it's it, you know it's a fun groove to play the the irish stuff that we do is is fun boxer is always a challenge because i sing on that and it's a little bit of a kind of rub your tummy pat your head thing um actually there's a lot of that uh with within the whole set but um other than that i really like playing ordinary eyes we don't we don't play it very often uh, I think we've only played it twice this year and it's a really fun song to play cause it's, it's challenging for everyone. And, uh, we're always on our toes and always really listening hard to each other while we, while we play songs that we haven't played in a while. Yeah. 
last of my notes is, so you mentioned on one of the episodes of your podcast um, mm -hmm. that you have Crohn's disease. So how, how do you deal yeah. with that on the road? Crohn's army unite. <laughs> um, it's hard, man. It, it, it used to be a lot harder um, before I, before I had, you know, medication and stuff for it. Uh, but it's like kind of a feedback loop because the Crohn's creates anxiety and then your anxiety creates symptoms of Crohn's. So you have to deal with the anxiety and you also have to deal with the Crohn's. So it's, it's a little bit of, uh, of just balancing out and, and really planning ahead. You just have to plan ahead. Like I know every where the bathroom is in every venue in the entire country. And I know where all, I know all the ones I don't have bathrooms and I know the places around the venue that I can go. So it's just, it's just a crazy, uh, a crazy thing. And, and I've dealt with it over the years. To, so I get to the point where I know when things are gonna go haywire and I know how to plan things ahead. So I don't need to, uh, make an escape from the stage, which is, which is what I try to avoid at all costs. It's only happened to me one time in my entire career, yeah. uh, knock on wood. So, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting thing, but it's, it's fun to, um, it's fun to hear about other people that deal with the same thing. Uh, cause I was diagnosed when I was, um, just out of high school and it was, it was difficult. It was difficult to deal with. It was something that you don't want to talk about as a kid cause you're embarrassed or whatever. Um, so whenever, whenever I see somebody that I think is struggling that, you know, you can kind of see the signs. I'm just like, you want to talk about it? Like I'm so open about it in my, uh, in my house, like me and my wife, like me and John talk about it. it's, it can get gross, but it's just, you have to, you have to have a sense of humor about it and you have to be open. And, um, because a lot of, a lot of kids hide it and they don't get it taken care of. And then they end up with really bad, uh, symptoms and, and things happening. So, um, if you're out there listening and, and you have tummy pain, go get it checked out. Yeah. All right. So one last question before we move on to our analysis of armed forces. Almost forgot we were doing yeah. that. <laughs> so, uh, so what's your opinion of Todos Africa? Oh man, I knew I was going to get this question just because I listened to a couple episodes <laughs> before this. Um, man, Wayne, I don't know what you're doing by not liking Toto's Africa. Like, that song, that song is so good. It's so good. Hit me away <laughs> from you. I mean, come on, man. That uh, was, you got to give me a reason why you don't like it. I, yeah, it's just so corny, and I, I, I don't know. I, I, I avoid <laughs> listening to it. From it's just super corny, and it just reminds me of all of that soft rock which when i say that word it always reminds yeah. me of that saturday night live skit when the guy goes have you ever been hitting your head with a soft rock it's like the whole thing doesn't make sense to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a whole it's a whole yacht rock trend kind of thing i get that i totally get that i'm going to ask every one of my yeah, guests well, we'll going this forward up at the end of the year we'll see where we are we'll put you, i'm not going to let this affect my opinion yeah. jesse we're going to put him down as a yes <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> i think the the whole idea of, of asking every day is just is just to get it in his head every single week, every week to just have have uh, Africa by Toto in his head. Only makes me stronger. 
<laughs> and and after the episode we did with with my buddy Jeff, so you bought him a present. I I I was looking for uh, shirts at Hot Topic, and I saw. I just couldn't even believe it. It was literally set. It was Africa's Toto, and it was like the album, like an actual album. And I was like, oh my god, I got you know. I'm texting Ben. I'm trying to get. I'm going to get Jeff's address. What's his shirt size? And of course, it's Hot Topic. The largest I could get was was two X, and I, I guess that wasn't big enough for Jeff, so I had to take nice. it back. I hope I hope the shirt didn't say I hate Africa because that'd be terrible. Yeah. It'd be a no, terrible it was, shirt no, to wear. No, actually, was Toto Africa. It was like it was like a record. It was like oh. an actual picture of of a full record of the Africa. To, I mean, with a logo on it and everything. It was perfect. I couldn't even believe that I just stumbled across it. No, but that's funny. If, if Jeff slims down, I'm getting that for him. Well, <laughs> if if we have more yes votes for toto oh, i see where this is going you already. know what it, you know where this is going right well, and i'm looking you straight I'm in a, the eye because i'm a gambler, i can't so I'll do it so you're I, gonna I have to wear that, that shirt yeah, absolutely okay. i believe in it yeah. that much all right well gonna to, i'm gonna have to start picking some guests that i I, know. <laughs> I don't know man i think you're gonna be hard pressed hard pressed to find some some toto haters or Africa. actually actually i think we do have a couple guests lined up that they're pretty indie rock so they may say no That's right. and, and agree with you, but gotcha. everybody else is going to. We'll see, we'll see what we see. That's all. I'm, to, I'm just saying you're wearing that shirt at the end of the year. <laughs> and that's all I can say. All right. Uh, so, Jesse, this is your opportunity to uh, promote anything that you want to promote. This is your forum. So anything you want to talk about before we jump into uh, Elvis Costello? Uh, just. You know, check out uh, the After the Gig podcast. It's been fun. Um, it's been a fun way for me to spend my time while I'm not on the road and 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 playing. But uh, also, Carbon Leaf has a has a uh, spring tour coming up. I'm going to be at probably a city city near you uh, at some point during the year. So it's the Hindsight's 2019 tour. Um, we start off on Tuesday the 9th in Kentucky and then at Nashville, Atlanta, Knoxville, Charlotte. Uh, we'll be in Chicago, Detroit, all of all over the place. Um, we'll be in Boston, my hometown at the uh, at the uh, city winery in Boston. We're going to be working on a couple videos, a new new record this year. Um, I'm going to be working on a, a solo effort and uh, I don't, I don't want to commit to saying when it'll be out because i have no idea it could be three years from now right um but uh but yeah i'm just excited i'm just excited about the year and excited about talking to some some people on my show so i can learn some new things and uh and hear some perspectives on uh on, on what people's experiences are so that's that's it that's that's my spiel I, that, that's all i got that's that's good Good, good, good promotion work there. All right, let's jump into Elvis Costello. So as we do for episodes like this, we're going to listen to the record. We'll rank the songs off the record and each ranking is assigned points. However, we're going to score everything for this based off of the American release of Armed Forces, which means one song gets dropped, one really good song got added. We'll talk about that. So today's record has 12 songs. So Wayne... How many points would your favorite song on the record receive? Twelve. Okay, that was not a not a not a trick question. Not a trick question. <clears throat> All right. 
So let's jump into it. First song is Accidents Will Happen. Who wants to uh, who wants to get us started on the analysis of armed forces and accidents will happen? I'll go. Um, so the first lyric is is a pretty great way to to start the album. And I'm usually not a lyric guy. I'm more of a uh, harmonic slash melody guy um, when I'm listening to music. But I like how it started with "I just don't know where to begin." It's a pretty good way to start start a record. And I really like absolutely. Yeah, and I really like um, really like the verse melody. It kind of just gets you in there. It's very Elvis Costello. Um, the what I noticed about this whole record, but this song in general, the bass really drives all of these songs, and it really drives this song. Um, it tells you kind of where the where the harmony is going because there's a lot of pads and uh, synths and stuff like that. But um, these song, this song is pretty orchestrated. Um, that's that's really all I got for this one. Do I give you the score now, or do you guys? We'll 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 keep chatting about this. So yeah, okay. I, w- I wanted to talk. On, we're going to talk a little bit more of Bruce Thomas and his bass work because yeah, yeah, yeah. There are a couple songs that he is the the standout, and he's the driving force of of the attractions in my in my point of view. Don't tell Elvis um, that. <laughs> I well, I mean, he's got his name on the front. He can he can deal with it, right? Because uh, <laughs> it, it's a very publicized falling out that they had. Um, part of it was because of Bruce's book that he wrote, um, where he kind of left a lot of the the names out of the book. However, um, I think all those events were real, and he referred okay. he referred to the singer as the singer in the book uh, and oh it's totally elvis yeah see i don't know i don't know a lot about that uh that background yeah. story that's that that's interesting because i mean that's pretty that's pretty common in in bands you know it happened uh with uh, billy joel and, and their drummer oh yes um yeah uh davida davida uh, De- 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 yeah. yeah so it happens you know, there's somewhere along the line when when a lot of fame and fortune happens, uh, the lines get blurred about are we in this together or is this you and you're I'm just working for you. There's the lines get blurred and some bands are good about being upfront about it and some bands are not so much. And one guy just kind of takes over and it just ends poorly. But well, and when it's Elvis Costello and the attractions, then you if you don't like that, you can make it the imposters. And which, then after which that, is, which is what they did. Yeah. So yeah. he's got yeah. his name's always on the marquee. So that's definitely this is one of his of classic songs. Um, I, I, I mean, this has probably been on every one of his greatest hits compilations. And it's just there's one line that the, the one sequence that I loved because it brings up so much such a such a powerful vision as the uh, so many fish in the sea rise up like smoke and sweat and like and like mercury and that just 
I can totally see one of those dance bars from when I was in my twenties where you, you know, it's full of smoke and sweaty people and you're all trying to get laid. And it just, uh, the fact that he can conjure up those kind of visions with just words is great. But, uh, uh, and the, it's called accidents will happen. It's clearly, I, I mean, there's obviously some infidelity going on, but the first verse makes it very clear that it's not an accident that she's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. All right. So let's, let's get some scores then. So, uh, Wayne, what you got? I gave it a 10. I, this is one of those songs that I've been hearing and listening to for years. And I, it's, I just, I just really love it. Yeah. Jesse. I gave this an 11. Okay. And I gave it a nine and I probably would have ranked it just slightly higher if it wasn't for the refrain at the end of the song. I think it's just like Mm. 20, 25 seconds too long. You know that I know, I know it, it, it just, yeah. After listening to it, to this record a number of times over the last week, it made me want to skip the last 20 seconds of the song, but still nothing against the song because it is one of it's one of elvis's best songs that he's ever done so yeah all right well let's move on so next song on the record so this is senior service I had to do a little research on this because I wanted to know what senior service was. So that's nickname for England's Royal Navy. If you look at just the first glance of the lyrics, it seems that the song is really about the military, but is that really the military or is that just a thinly veiled commentary on relationships? And I didn't look at it like that. I took it straightforward um, because there, and I think one first thing I want to say is I if you pull out the keyboards in this, I think this would have been like one of the best clash songs. Ever. Yes. This is so, punk. I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. So punk rock. I could just hear Joe Strummer doing this. And it's like that the verses are this anti-rich, very angry. I mean, anytime you're talking about heads rolling in a basket, um, you're it's class war. And, and then of course, then you goes into the, the, I don't know if it's the chorus or to the bridge where it's about, you know, Hey, young man, you know, we got, I got an idea for you, you know, this junior satisfaction, dissatisfaction. Um, so they're, they're trying to bring him into this senior service, but at the same time, he's just railing against uh, the, the, the rich and wants his, wants that guy's girl and his car and his check. And he's going to, and then he's going to cut his head off and watch it roll into the basket. It's so punk rock. So you think that this would be, a, this would have been a strummer song? Cause I hear that, that junior dissatisfaction, you know, where he, you know, at the end of it, where he's raising that dissatisfaction. That's totally a, that's totally Mick Jones right yeah. there though. Mm. No, I, I, this just okay. is a classic. I could just hear that. I could say the first, I just, I don't, I've never, I've heard the song before and never thought that, but I was listening to the lyrics and the way it went through it. And I, and this was probably 79. So 
I got to believe that him and Joe Strummer were probably running in somewhat of the same circles. Probably. This was before yeah. they must have been recording London Calling at this time. And it just I thought this would have been this would have been one of the best Clash songs ever. Yeah. 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 This this song, um, I took it. I took it pretty much right on the surface. I didn't get as deep into in there as you guys did. It just kind of stressed me out to listen to <laughs> it just seemed like it was kind of all all over the place and then it had kind of a, a really similar turnaround at the end of the uh like i guess we would call it like the b section um as uh, accidents would happen so or as accidents happen but i don't know man I, it just it seemed like one of those songs that is would be super effective in a live environment um but on the album, just like with all so much going on, I just I couldn't uh, I couldn't deal couldn't deal with it. Okay, <laughs> all right. So um, I did read an article on it, and I I thought that I had saved it, but I didn't. But that there was an article that I read of somebody who had done over analysis, like Wayne and I are apt to do, um, <laughs> about this record, and he essentially said that every single one of these songs could either be relationship or it could be military. So you right. could, you could misconstrue any of these, these songs for those things. And he basically said, aren't they one in the same relationships <laughs> yeah. and being in the military or um, yeah, being in a war or could break out at any moment. Yes. Any moment sparks yeah. could fly shots That's, fired. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get some scores then. So Jesse, just based off of your analysis, I'm assuming this is one of your lower scores. So it was originally in my notes, I wrote, uh, this is going to be bottom three. Um, but I ultimately ended up putting it at number four. Okay. Wayne. And like I say, I'm going to refer to this as my ninth favorite song, which is also. A four. <laughs> okay. And, uh, I put this as an eight, um, to to your point, Wayne, about this is a clash song. When we were talking about this the other the other day, you know, you you even said, I think there's a couple songs that could have been clash songs, and I totally viewed this as a clash song. And you know how I I love I love my clash, so so it probably gets a little bit higher score for me just because of that sentimentality. So, all right, well, let's move on to the third song. So this is Oliver's Army. So who, who ended up doing some over analysis on this? So uh, first, I want to know who is Oliver, because at first I thought it was Oliver North, but that's a few years later in to the 80s, this right? Was just like less than zero uh, when we talked about Oswald Mosley. I, when I first heard this song, uh, I, well, I guess not the first time I heard the song, but recently within the last couple of years on the Internet and Wikipedia, first thing I did was try to find out who this was. And apparently it's Oliver Cromwell. Who was mm -hmm. a 17th century British 
politician and military leader and apparently one of the most hated men in all of Ireland. Uh, he was not, he was a Protestant and not very fond of the Catholics. So, right. Yeah. When I was listening to this, my, my wife went, why are you listening to this song? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I knew, I knew it was Oliver Cromwell right away just because she was like, you don't know this story. I was like, how am I supposed to know this story? (laughs) But yeah, I looked into it. And, and I refuse to get sucked into that English, Irish history vortex that I could have, I could have definitely got sucked into because I, I did see that it was Cromwell and I'm like, I am not Wikipedia in it because yeah. I know that once I do, I'm going to go into this vortex and rabbit hole and I'm not yeah. going to get out for at least three hours because that's yeah. what I do. And then you're going to come out, come out the other end of it. You're going to be like, I don't understand anything that went on. It doesn't make any sense. Now I need to go to Ireland. Yes. And, and ask people about this. Yeah. Oh, they won't be afraid to tell you all about it. You drive, oh. you drive in some, some through some villages in Northern Ireland and there's, there's union jacks everywhere. They're, the streets are, are painted red, white, and blue. And cause they're the Protestant side. Yeah, it's and very, it's very yeah, interesting. My, uh, yeah. My daughter went to Belfast for work and the people, and I, I believe maybe even in, during college, yeah, there's places you can't go. There's it's a scary you, place. Yeah, there's songs you can't sing in certain bars. Um, yep. There's yeah, there's sections. I mean, there's these very eerie paintings of soldiers with guns, and it's. She said it's it's a unique experience. Did did I share with you the the um, the article when Dolores from the Cranberries passed away last year? There, the the director of the video for Zombie, they actually went to Ireland to like get the 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 real raw emotions of that song, and that's actually soldiers that are still around, and that's still very much a a thing. Um, so crazy. Um. All right, so this was the first single off the record. It did hit as high as number two on the UK charts. It's actually this is this is actually Elvis's most successful single release in the UK. So I, I know he's got a lot of other singles that I think you would kind of figure were more popular than this particular song, but the, in in the UK, this is it. And so, keeping with that article's tone about you know songs being dual in nature. This really does seem more of a military song. However, anybody see any relationship references in this, in this song as well? No, I just took, I mean, like I say, this is a a scathing indictment on imperialism and the idea of sending poor working class boys to go fight over something as simple as a difference in ideology or uh, control of a canal or oil. Yeah, I feel the same way. Do we put this on the on the chart for best protest songs? You know, and I, I don't think I would because the 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 contrast of it is so unique. Like the the beat, the melody is like this jangly, yeah. fun, up you know, kind of up tempo music. And even his voice, he doesn't have. He's not angry, but the but but the words, you know, are are telling a story or you know are making his point. And like I say, the the uh, the uh, widow's line. I mean, he wants to make sure nobody misunderstands his meaning because I mean, that's always a bold statement when an artist goes out on a limb like that 
to punctuate something that hard. Like I want everybody to know yeah. who's who's at the bottom of this. Yeah. What do you think? What do you got for us, Jesse, on this? Since you live with an Irish woman. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I completely agree with you, Wayne. There's there's a there's a conflict between the tone of the music and what he's singing about, which I think is a really cool um, uh, uh, tool that singer songwriters use uh, to kind of create a cool thing in the song, but. I, I also agree that it's an issue with the conflict and, you know, why is he going to, you know, go out and fight someone else's army and point a rifle at someone that's just like him. Uh, so yeah, I, I thought, I thought it was an interesting song. And when I took a little bit more of a, of a look at it, um, I, I feel like I liked it more than before I scored it, but I'm stick. I, I stuck with my score. Okay. One other note that I have here uh, and talking about protest songs was I put, it ain't me. I'm not the fortunate son. Yeah. Mm. Oh, no, that's a protest song. Yeah. Uh, That's one of the best. Yeah. All right. So the one thing that we haven't talked about with this, this song is the elephant in the room of the n-word that i just mentioned it i just said the widow's line (laughs) but because i'm not i'm not that brave like i mean because that's a bold statement i mean could could you get away with putting this in any record in today's terms just ask axel rose when he he put the word in a song uh one in a million and that song basically just got shoved aside um and it and i i as funny as i remember an interesting interview after that when that song came out from ice cube and he said I'm not offended. I mean, he used it in context and he's trying to make a point. He's an artist. You know, I'm not going to, I don't have a problem with it, but it's a bold statement. I mean, you're, you, you're trying to make, you're going out on a limb because you're going to, you're going, there's no way you're not going to catch heat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If, if, if you're, if you're going to say something, you better have uh, the context and the point across to, to, to back it up. Um, And uh, to go back, to, to what you said, Ben, about about it being the biggest uh, biggest release in the UK. You said was it the in the UK? They were correct. Yeah, it it. I think the subject matter probably had a lot to do with that because it's something that they related to. And, yeah. Um, which is which is great. Which means that it's doing the arts doing what it's supposed yeah, to do. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Let's get some scores. So Jesse. Uh, I give this one a six. And Wayne? I gave it an 11. This has always been one of my favorite songs from the first time I heard it. Yeah, me too. I'm matching your 11. So Man. Yeah. That's a different, that's a big difference there. <laughs> uh, we don't judge. Well, actually, <laughs> hey, actually Wayne, Wayne judges me, but yeah, we just won't. Him, though, we won't. <laughs> just, just me. All right, let's go on to the fourth song. So this is, uh, this is Big Boys. I was stuck in
to get us started on big boys? Anybody not figure out what it's about? Um, First of all, I don't have a clue. <laughs> no, I don't have. Um, but this one, uh, yeah, I, I think it. I wish the vocal was a little bit more out front on the song. Um, the reason why I, I scored it as high as I did was because that there was this really cool rhythmic thing that happened in the second verse that kind of propelled the song forward. Um, he used a, a, this is getting nerdy and technical, but he used a uh, seven bar phrase and it kind of, it created this odd thing, which created tension that, that, that was really cool for me to hear. Um, so that's, I don't know. That was, that's like my nerdy Berkeley side talking, but I liked it. I, I liked it a lot. And that's all I got to say about that. I, you, you know, and <laughs> before you provided your scoring to me, um, I, my notes were Jesse as a drummer. What do you think of the drumming on this? Because I kind of figured that that was going to propel this score a little higher for you. And I was right. Yeah. The, what the weird, the weird thing is I, I don't even think I mentioned drums anywhere in any of my notes here, which is, which is, I guess it's kind of normal for me. I just don't, I don't listen to, to songs or music like that for, for whatever reason. Okay. I'm more, I'm more drawn to like the bass and the guitar and and the, the vocal melody. But, um, but that, that thing, did you guys notice that happening in the second, in the second verse? Uh, the second verse after what the worrying about your physical fitness, tell me how you got this sickness, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and I, I really dig the, 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 the way that he's using like the, the, I shall walk, I shall walk, you know, that, 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 that that kind of extra little refrain. Um, I I really, I really dug that. Um, and the buildup to it, I I really dig the buildup. Unfortunately, I think the buildup happens too late in the song for me because mm. I think it's a little, little too late. The just the last thing I have on on here was so the demo version of this song you can find on the deluxe edition of this year's model, along with the next song. So this was definitely a song that he thought about putting on an earlier record. Mm. Wayne, you're looking at me like you you want to say something oh i just you know what <clears throat> i didn't catch that seven bar refrain i i'm not even surprised that i didn't because uh, this is one of those i just elvis costello songs i just listen to and just love them and then that's when i have a chance to sit down and look a little deeper into it but i love the way the words he uses and the, the the whole like you the tension that's created through through the words and then up by the end it's Oh, uh, he says something about crossing her off his list and he like he's moving on like all this, you know, chasing and all this, you know, uh, sexual, you know, frustration that's going on. And at the end, he's uh, he's he's moving on. It's yeah. all over. That's my favorite part is towards the end where he's doing the list of she'll be the one when the party's over. Yeah. And yeah. I, I and I went back to the demo version. Just this is where I nerd out. So. The, the first two lines of that um, are reversed for the final for the final uh, version of this. So uh, on the demo side, he's got she's she'll be the one when the girls have gone home. That's the, the first line of that. So anyways, you're welcome for the nerding out. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, anything else on big boys? Not for me. Oh. OK, let's get some scores. So, Jesse, 
let's see, I think I scored this one nine. It is a nine. Yes, yeah, a nine. Yes. And then Wayne? Uh, this is my 10th favorite song. It is a three. Okay. Yeah, and we... I, also, I also gave it a three. So... <laughs> like I said, it, I love this song. Yeah, absolutely. I really, I really do love this song. It just, I felt like the 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 build up where I really dig it just took a little longer than I would have liked. And but, there's just so yeah. many songs on here that I just, I mean, because it is, it's, I love the the whole idea. You know what? That sex is what makes you one of the big boys, and that whole, you know, that whole myth, the way he puts this in there and and uses all these these great words to form these these images, but. There's so many good songs. I mean, this these his first three, four, five albums. I just I don't know if there's a song on any of them that yeah, I don't all, like. They're all solid. Yeah, and it's and it's funny how like how you uh, how people hear hear things differently or listen listen to things differently. Because I I just like I liked so many of the songs on here, but I feel like maybe I pinpointed a couple of like little nerdy things that changed my scores a bit. But I I totally I'm I'm with you on all most of it welcome to the club jesse that's right that's what we're all about is nerding out about stupid little things that mm -hmm. propel our scores one way or the other so welcome to the club that's right all right uh all right so here's the fifth song so this is green shirt you can please yourself but somebody's gonna get it talked about this before we started recording that uh you did a little analysis i did i did some i did some research but uh actually i just recently heard the song live it's still this is one that's in his his set uh currently and i'm super jealous of that because it was not in the set when i saw him a couple years ago and i listened to the song and listened to the song and I, I i i love the images but i couldn't quite figure out what was going on and so i was looking at the lyrics to try to get a better grasp on it. And I came across, uh, I think it might've been song meetings, but it was a post from somebody that knows him that was with him at a venue in Dublin before they were about to start the tour for his previous album, I believe. And he said that uh, Angela Rippon walked past in a green dress and caught both their eyes. And then as he looked over, Elvis Costello had his notebook out. Um, so I had to find out who Angela Rippon was. And then she turns out, which now makes the song make total sense, is a British television uh, journalist that she was the first one of the, the first women to permanently ho uh, permanently appear on BBC National News. So she's a she's a British television journalist. She's very famous, uh, attractive woman. She's a smart young woman on a yeah, blue, light blue screen. A, yep. 
Okay. So uh, once it, once that once I saw that and read that, did some research on her. It's just a lusty fantasy about Angela Rippon. Hmm. I wonder how Angela feels about that. <laughs> I, uh, you know what? It's hard to say. Did she continue to wear green shirts? <laughs> I, I imagine not. Because if she did, then she was into it. That's right. Yeah. So, so going back to the analysis of that article I read, so he tried to make it sound as though the green shirt is actually a, a military uniform. Um, I couldn't get that imagery. Um, it's it to to me, it's an infatuation song. Um, mm. Demo version of this song is also found on this year's model. Um, there are some different lyrics on that demo. I'm not going to go through all of them, um, but that that version is solid as well. Um, and that's probably why I gave this a little better score. Cause I love, I love both versions of that. So Jesse, any, any analysis you want to give on this song? I liked, I liked the band, like the drum hits, the, the band hits that were in the beginning and stuff. And, uh, I like the use of the repetitive lyrics, but for me, the reason why I gave it such a low score was because it just felt like it didn't really go anywhere for me. Um, and uh, now that I'm looking into the lyrics and stuff like that, it's just not where, where my head wanted to go. It was one of those songs that I was just like, okay, um, I think I'm, I'm going to move on to the next one. So just a different, uh, different perspective on that one, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I I did I did enjoy it. it. It was it was cool. I first I first rated it as like a a mid to like top top six kind of song, and then it ended up lower after the further I went. But yeah, I thought it was cool. All right, so let's get some scores. So I gave it a ten. Wayne, I gave it a nine. And then Jesse, I gave it a two. <laughs> <laughs> not not a problem. Not a problem. You guys are just giving those scores away, man. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> We're, we'll we'll start agreeing here in a, in a couple songs. I, I promise. I'm sure we will. I'm sure All we right. will. All right. So the sixth song. So this is Party Girl. Being the YouTube fan that I was back in the day, I immediately every time I, I I say party girl, I always want to start. I know a girl, a girl named Party, Party girl. Anyway, <laughs> all right, that's my Bono impersonation for the day. Um, so the bass lines on this really cool. Uh, you know, we talked briefly about Bruce Thomas. Um, I think we could spend a whole episode talking about Thomas and 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 Elvis. Um, I still haven't read the book, um, but Elvis did respond to the book in one of my favorite Elvis songs. So Wayne, How to Be Dumb from uh, Mighty Like the Rose is written about Bruce Thomas. And mm -hmm. if you want a good scathing, uh, scathing song, there you go. It's 
pretty spot on. Um, and I do love the ending of this song. It's uh, foreshadowing to some of the other stuff that I think Elvis will do later. Um, but again, back to my point of previous song of build up, maybe going uh, coming in a little too late. Um, that did affect my score a little bit for this. Yeah, and <clears throat> this is it. Kind of starts out with some somber, you know, a somber melody that picks up a little bit, but also, and it does have a kind of a feel of a couple of other songs that I really like, uh, like Indoor Fireworks and Riot Act. It kind of reminded me of those songs, yeah. which isn't a bad thing, but I, it's done so much better on those songs that I guess that hurt its score. But I also, I mean, for a couple of, uh, I don't know Jesse personally, but I know I did know Ben in high school. So the line, see the party girls, look me over, see him leaving when the party's over. How that broke my heart. <laughs> like I just took me back yeah. to high to junior high school. Um, but it does get thanks, dark. Thanks for end. bringing up those really traumatic wounds. If I have I to think, go through thank it, you. you have to go thank through you. It. I appreciate that. <laughs> I know it, it did seem to get a little dark at the end too, which isn't necessarily bad, but it did take, it seemed to take a turn at the end. Yeah. Yeah. It absolutely, absolutely took a turn. I, sure. I, I like the turn. I like the turn though. Um, all right, so let's get some scores. So Wayne, I just got my my eleventh favorite. It's a two. Okay, and then Jesse, uh, I give this one a five. Okay, and I liked it a little more than you guys apparently. So I'm giving this a seven, and it's not because it reminds me of U 2s Party Girl. So <laughs> it is uh, a little, maybe a little, <laughs> maybe a lot. I don't know. Maybe a little. Okay. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's move on. So this is Goon Squad. Ding, 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 ding. Right. Sorry. <laughs> it, it totally gets in your head, does it not? Oh, yeah, definitely. So who wants to get us started on this one? Oh, I, this, not even by the name, but also you pull the keyboards out of this and this is another Clash song. This is very yeah. punk rock. Um, uh, also, I just the, I mean, how, when you use the term lampshade, you are clearly want to make your, your point that you find this uh, fascist and brut- brutal. Because it's, I mean, reading the lyrics, obviously the kid joined the army and next, it feels like he's maybe... A black and tan in Northern Ireland, where he's you know doing security there, um, but that pounding lockstep beat, um, just the whole yeah. like say so you pull the keyboards out of this, and Joe Strummer was 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 guy had to be envious when he heard this. Yeah, that's yeah. great. <clears throat> Mil- military song, relationship song, or both? Oh, this is total military. Yeah. Okay. But as we've discussed, I guess it could go either way, depending yeah. on how your relationship's going. <laughs> uh, all right. What about the production during the third verse? Wayne? I, yeah, I was waiting I for you. I don't know. No, I didn't. I didn't really make any notes on that. The only thing I, only thing I, uh, 
I said, uh, like, I liked how it, it seemed super theatrical, uh, really painted a picture. I, I almost felt like it was like, you know, young, young boys running through the streets, breaking windows and, and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just cool. I just, I liked it. I thought it was a, I thought it was an interesting way to, uh, you know, to groove like that, like that, the bass and drum thing was like, it was, it was awesome. So such a cool song. Um, and the name reminds me of the guys in carbon leaf. So. So, so go back to, go back to your comment about the bass. I think Bruce really, he's the standout for, for this. song. Yeah. I mean, he, he takes, he takes over this album. It's just, it's just, uh, I, I, I really, really like it. I just, I love how he plays and I love how he, he just propels and pushes the songs forward. Um, and this song, yeah. this song, especially. Which, which uh, if you've read the comments of when Elvis and the attractions got inducted to the rock and roll hall of fame. So he was there for the induction ceremony. However, he didn't play with the band and when they ask Elvis later why Bruce wasn't allowed to participate, he said, I only play with professionals. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, <Ouch>. so <laughs> you think there's going to be any reconciliation? Probably not. I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, probably. it's hard to come. It's hard to come back from a comment like that. Yeah. All right. So let's go through scores. So I'm giving this a four. Um, this was as high as seven for me during during the week. So that's kind of where I ended. Ask me again next week. It'll probably be a five or a six or a seven. So anyways, um, Wayne, your score? Six. Okay. Jesse? I got the seven. You got the seven. Right. All right. Moving on. This is Busy Bodies. looking at my notes and I wrote nothing down for this. So somebody, somebody's going to have to help me out here. Well, this is another one, obviously about sex. I mean, the, the words, it, it's not, it's not hidden lying in between her getting ready right. for the merger. Um, and the beat plays a lot like that build up. Uh, also, and then there's even a reference to his right hand towards the end, which I thought was funny. Yeah, that was really funny. Yeah. I wrote that down too. <laughs> 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 oh, that's good yeah this this one was i I just like the movement of it and uh you know it was one of those songs that just kind of rolled along pretty effortlessly and, and just stayed interesting throughout and i was i like the uh the guitar riff and the refrain um as that lyric nowhere is being repeated um the, yeah the thing it, it also happens in the outro too I, I think um but yeah i just i just enjoyed it it was just one of those songs that uh that just kind of rolls along and 
and it's cool to listen to and also the lyrics too <laughs> which is yeah. a theme that i pay a lot less attention to but um <laughs> but it's great it's cool all right should we uh, should we get some scores um wayne seven seven jesse i give this one eight all right and i gave it a five so middle middle of the pack middle of the pack for all of us see now who's now who's the odd man out <laughs> yeah i don't know uh yeah well it's usually me um i'm usually odd man out so <laughs> Um, all right. So if we were doing the analysis of the UK version, the next song would have been Sunday's Best. Did did everybody listen to that as you were doing the analysis? I did. I did too. And where would where where would that have landed on your scoring? This this would have easily been the my least favorite. Um, it's it's got this carnival music in it, which is not very, which is annoying. Plus, this one seems and not a, a lot of this stuff is very specific to to the British, but this, this one seemed even more so British specific. It was so British, so British. Yeah. This, this one would have been a one or or zero or, or negative. Like I, I couldn't like this song less. (laughs) So that's where, that's where I'm coming from. It's harsh. I know it's harsh, but. Yeah, really didn't. No, I would have given it a one as well. So the, whoever was listening to this record, on the U.S. side for the label, they got they absolutely got it right. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, because we'll talk about what they put on the record instead of Sunday's best. So, moving on. So uh, again, looking at this from the U.S. release perspective. So next song is Moods for Modern. Since I know what everybody's score is in advance. So Jesse, you apparently like this song a little bit better than Wayne and I did. So, Um, and I think that probably just goes in the realm of how we're listening to the song. So I, I really liked how, uh, how it starts. I like the energy of it. I think it could have been, if, if it had a more interesting subject matter and it like went and it, it, was maybe a little bit more interesting um or like hook ish then it probably could have been the the opening track um and i think i think it could be it, it in the live setting it could be one of those songs that he plays as the as the first as the first thing coming out there just to get everybody kind of pumped up or you play pump it up who knows but um hey <laughs> yeah that's a, that's a uh, that he clearly lifted the backbeat from his own song yes that's one of oh, the things yeah. that kind of song for me was that it i i listened to it and i'm like that's the drums and bass from pump it up yeah <laughs> yeah and you can find you can find that push beat anywhere that i mean it's all over uh sly sly and the family stone all kinds of stuff but uh yeah it i i liked it i i just it was one of those songs that i could find myself listening to again and again it's just kind of fun and uh yeah, i enjoyed it you know what it needed more of so what? my 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 score, cowbell. no, finger snaps. <laughs> Needed more finger snaps. Uh, 
hand claps would have and, been good too. And the hand claps would have been good too. Hand claps so. would have actually been really good. It would have been great. Yeah. Yeah. So we we just we just finished an episode on the Cars Candy O and there were there were definitely some hand claps in a few of those songs. So maybe that's why I'm fixated on that right now. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> all right. So let's let's get some scores. So uh so Wayne, what you got? I never figured out what mood for moderns actually meant. I did look at, I did read, you know, the lyrics and listen to the song. So I know it, it definitely is about a girl that got away and I think he lost her to a, it says foreigner, but I'm assuming he was French just cause, uh, just cause anyway, but I gave this a five. Okay. I gave it a six and Jesse. And I gave it a nice, nice round 10. 10. <clears throat> All right. All right. All right, home stretch here. Here we go. Chemistry class. Uh, this would be the tenth song on the U.S. release. Anybody want to talk about chemistry class? Cause I'm going to just throw this out. This is my least favorite song on the record. It's not horrible. I just didn't think it went anywhere. Yeah. Th- this is actually also my least favorite. It was, it was, um, you know, kind of an, like an introspective song. Um, but I, I don't know I, if it just doesn't go anywhere. It, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like the artist, achieved what they were trying to achieve in the song i don't know yeah and i gave it a i mean this was my least favorite also i and i i don't for it's the lyrics seemed a little cliche for for elvis costello particularly Mm -hmm. um and it it does have it it seems like it tries to do a couple of different things but never like you said never really gets to any of them um but i did love the line about snakes and ladders running up and down or the back of her nylons, which created a complete image of those nylons with seams on them. So I just love how he can do that with just really quickly put something right in your mind. I love the line, people pleasing people pleasing people like you. Yeah, that's a good one. I I couldn't even say that <laughs> fast, but he's singing that. So kudos to to Declan for for being able to sing that that line. So, but not enough to save it from my bottom score. So I think we are we are all matching yes. bottom scores on this one. I think we're we're in agreement at that. So, all right, let's move on to Little Hitler's second to last song.
So could anyone get away with referencing Hitler in a song these days? Uh, you know, it's another bold statement. I mean, when you create, you clearly create an image when you when you reference uh, what the, possibly the most reviled person in the history of humanity. Yeah. So again, since I know what everyone's scores are, I'm looking at you, Wayne. <laughs> Well, because give us give us some this, over analysis. This one's clearly about relationships. I've been divorced twice now, and so I understand that that definitely the reference. Uh, it's you're you're you become capable of quite anything at that. I mean, when it, this is a contentious relationship, uh, they're both cheating on each other. It's clearly loveless. There, I mean, that idea that you'll you know it's it's on. <laughs> I mean, this is a battle. And uh, you'll you find yourself, and like I say, there's uh, typically there'll be regret at the end. But um, I love the line where he says, "I uh, I will return." Is that just as I'll be it's back? Creepy. Yeah, it's yeah. not. This is not over. <laughs> I will be back. Yeah. So that's 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 something you say as you're storming out of your own house. Well, is it is it the the the, the physical, or it's like I've kicked you down enough, but you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to lick my wounds. I'm going to, and I'm going to, I'm going to rise like the Phoenix uh, out of this. Actually, the way it's, the way it came to me, because if, if you, I mean, using two little Hitlers, he's making it, uh, it goes both ways. And that's definitely the end of a relationship, uh, especially if a conclusion like a divorce where you don't win them all, you don't win each battle. Like it's a bat, it's a struggle for power. And sometimes it's the other dictator and then sometimes it's, it's you, but it's, but I say when you use Hitler, you're just like he used in uh, the N word in Oliver's armor. You want to make sure nobody misunderstands yeah. how serious this is. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it was yeah. um, <clears throat> I feel like there was a conversation he may have had with someone else or himself being like, I'm going to put I'm going to put the name Hitler in the title of the song. It's going to be it's going to spark some something in people. Um, and yeah, and earlier he used the N-bomb and then he put Hitler's. And then in chemistry class, he used the lyric final solution. I don't know if you guys caught that, but uh, three interesting things that um, that uh, old Elvis Costello put in, put in his, his lyrics there. I only got past me. I that I tone, remember reading that, yeah, but I that, never really it didn't it didn't hit me quite. Yeah, like it yeah. Just didn't. Let's let's <laughs> yeah let's let's go ahead and talk about a bunch of taboo topics, right? Yeah, here. And, okay. I mean, and out of context, I I I'm not sure. I didn't read those lyrics through chemistry class, so in the context of that, it probably had absolutely nothing yeah. to do with with any of that. But I just thought it was interesting to have the song before have those words and then. Too little Hitlers have that have that name. All right, let's get some scores. So, Wayne, I gave it an eight. Can Can you tell who's going through one of these tumultuous holy, relationships? Holy guacamole! Uh, so, so, Jesse, what's your score? Um, I gave it a three, and the only reason it didn't get a two is because I I kind of liked I liked how it sounded. I wish there was a little less organ and synth in there, uh, as I usually wish for for this era of music, but um. I, uh, yeah, three, three is my number. Yeah. I gave it a two. So obviously Jesse and I are in a different Maybe place yeah. right yeah, now. Like, I don't, I don't know what he means. 
I just don't get and it. I think maybe we'll revisit the scoring in a year from now <laughs> after, you know, the, the, the wounds have healed. Yeah. Only the scars remain. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah, let's wrap this up. So this is, uh, so again, we're, we're looking at this from the U S release perspective. So this was added. This is what's so funny about peace, love and understanding. Who wants to start? You know what? I'll say that this is one of the best songs ever. Um, This is one of my favorite songs. This is one of the songs that when I started learning how to play guitar, I was like, I'm absolutely going to learn how to do this. And I I am going to sing this song live with an acoustic guitar someday. Um, I had never listened to the Nick Lowe version. I don't know why. I just never, I guess I never needed to. I never felt compelled to. But I thought, you know what? For research, I'll listen to Nick Lowe's version. And when I listened to it, the first thing I thought of was he must have felt when he heard the final cut of Elvis's version, like Bob Dylan did the first time he heard Jimi Hendrix do All Along the Watchtower. And I could just see them both going, well, I'm not singing that again. Yeah. Because he took this by force. Just and like I say, I just like Jimi Hendrix and All Along the Watchtower. I bet 90 percent of the people who've heard either one of those songs don't know that they're cover versions of somebody else's song. Yeah. Nick Lowe's, is, it's a nice... I wrote in my notes like Nick Nick Lowe's is what's so funny about peace, love, and understanding. And Elvis Costello was what is so funny about peace, love, and understanding. Not and I'm going to have to clown har- car horn you again. Thanks, buddy. I mean, he makes his point. We almost he, got through uh, the entire episode. Like I say, which is a surprise when it comes to me because I I have a filthy <laughs> mouth, man. I have been trying so hard to not swear. This me, whole too. Time. me too. Me too. <laughs> Where are the strong and who are the trusted? He just took the song by force and made it his own. And and like I say, I could just see Nick Lowe listening to it going, well, I'm not singing that again. Uh, my, my comments that I wrote down was, I know everyone's, everyone wants to say this is a Nick Lowe song, but does anyone ever listen to the Lowe version? And this is an Elvis song, right? Absolutely. This is an Elvis song. This is Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so this was a B-side to Nick Lowe's. 1978 single American Squirm. I couldn't find any information as to why this song ended up becoming popular. I didn't see that it charted anywhere. It wasn't considered a UK single from what I gather because it was Nick Lowe's single. Any other songs that you guys can think of? I mean, you brought up All Along the Watchtower, but is there any other songs that end up becoming the person who covers it. Uh, well, Jimi Hendrix did. I mean, Hey Joe is a cover song. Uh, 
uh, Joan Jett stole I Love Rock and Roll from the Arrows. They probably, I mean, I, yeah. they don't have enough songs to not play it, but she, she, those are the instances that rolled through my mind. Jeff when Buckley's I thought of, Hallelujah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole, the whole rock and roll era basically was, was, uh, Chuck Berry and Little Richard. All, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was all, it was all music that was stolen by, by white guys. Right. Yeah. So, I love Twins and Shout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about that. um so with with this with this song was this a um was this a live recording i feel like the one that the the version i listened to may have been live because his voice just sounds so different it does during this this song than any other thing and this is exactly how i i want to hear him sing It's, it's just like he doesn't have that like like that thing going on the whole time. Yeah. He's just belting it out. He's absolutely crushing the song. And the thing, the other reason why I thought it might be a live recording is because it has a slow fade at the end, which make kind of leads me to believe that that it went on for a long time at at the end. But other than that, this this song was was awesome. It was great. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the production, but now that you're bringing that up, that makes sense. I really, I really think it's a live version because if you if you listen to his voice on this song as opposed to all the other ones, it's it's just a different environment. You can almost feel the sweat on his face while he's while he's singing this song. It's just uh, he's really pushing it. Yeah, which which leads me to believe that it's it's live. But how good is Pete Thomas sure. on the drums on this one? Oh, but I, this is one where Fantastic. I I heard the bass uh, and the drums. Yeah. I I brought that in my notes. This they were big time on this. Um, I think this is what he closes the show with. Uh, he he closed. It's in the encore. I know. Yeah, he closed my show with uh, uh, acoustic versions of Purple Rain and Alice. Yeah, I didn't. So. I didn't get that kind of treatment. Oh wow! Yeah, I wish, but yeah, I, I, this is in the encore. I don't know if it's exact. I think it might be the one. We saw two different shows. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, all right. Anything else on this? If I guess if you couldn't couldn't figure <laughs> out what each of our scores are on this because of our yeah. love and admiration of the song, uh, Wayne, I gave this a twelve. Jesse, twelve, and it's also a twelve for me. So I think that there is. Uh, is this a first? Is this the first where all three of the guests? Uh, yeah, everybody. I think that's the first time anybody, and that's the same. Wow. First time the lowest score. Everybody had the same lowest yeah. score, and everybody had the same high score. Yeah. Yeah. It's those middle ones. It's those middle ones that are tough. If I went through again, I could I could have probably rescored everything, but I, I don't know. I, I think I I think I stand by by most of it. Uh, I okay. So here's our top five, and it's solid. This is this is solid. So we already know what the top top score is. Uh, accidents will happen. That gets an average score of ten. Our third favorite song is Oliver's Army. That gets a nine point three. And then we've got a tie for uh, for fourth. So Green Shirt uh, gets an average score of seven, and Moods for Moderns gets an average score of seven. So those were all because of Jesse though. <laughs> yeah. I, I was just knowing I was looking at, I was like, Oh, I'm pretty sure I did that. <laughs> so he raced up moods for moderns and he totally, you know, did a waffle stomp on green shirt. So 
Sorry, guys. No, 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 no apologies necessary. <laughs> this is why we do this: is to to talk about our differences and how we we uh, we interpret music differently. So I'll tell you, if you let me make that set list, it'll kill. It'll kill every time. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the words are. <laughs> there, there you go. There you go. All right. So a um, couple couple things to wrap up. So um, I might be stepping on your toes with this question. Since you're a fellow podcaster, always looking for guests as well. So who do you know that I don't know who would want to join us on the podcast to revisit one of their favorite records? And you can't say Barry and Terry from Carbon Leaf because they're already coming on an episode next month with me to uh, to, re- oh, that's great. to revisit Indian Summer. Oh, that's awesome. That would be really great. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. I know you've had a bunch of guests on, on your show. Any uh, any music nerds that would want to come on and revisit some some records with us? I'll tell you, since you guys are so like lyric centric, it feels to me, and uh, and and you you really really get deep into the meanings of the songs. I really think uh, Stephen would be would be a great great guest for you guys because he is all about like the music is so secondary <laughs> for. Uh, for him it's the connection and it's the message um and i think i think that you guys would really enjoy that we'll uh we'll we'll chat let's we'll try and make that happen yeah i think i think i think you'd be into it that'd be fun how can people find carbon leaf tour dates uh you can go on carbonleaf.com you can also go on my website jessehumphrey.com and you can uh go to the carbon leaf tab and you can see all the dates you can there's links to all the tickets and you can also listen to the podcast there too so um yeah that's it's so easy the the hardest part about uh about getting the word out there is getting the word out there people you always come to a town and they're like oh man i didn't really when you come into tampa and it's like we were just there so it's it's uh you know just get out there Go to your go to your favorite band's websites and go to your favorite ve- venues websites and mark your calendar up. And I will totally pimp Carbon Leaf. So yes, echoing Jess, Jesse, go check them out. They are super fun to go see. And when are you coming to Seattle? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you have a couple dates in Seattle. It's like August or something like that, right? Yeah, actually, I might I have my calendar <clears throat> in front of me. It's uh, so we're we're doing our West Coast tour to- more towards the end of September this year okay. into October. So we'll be gone about half October in the first week of September. So if I can look this up very quickly, we'll be in Portland, Oregon on October fourth, which is a Friday. Saturday, October 5th, we will be in Seattle, Washington. And then on the 6th, we will also be in Seattle. So I'm assuming that I, I don't know what the venues are right now, uh, right now, but I know that last year we played the Crocodile and the Triple Door. And I don't see why we wouldn't be playing those two again, but um, I don't quote me on that. I have no idea which venues they are that hasn't been released to me yet. I think you are at the Triple Door. If I remember correctly. Yeah, I would assume that the triple door is would be like that Saturday gig. Um, but I don't know if or no, it would be the Sunday. Um, but I'm not I'm not exactly sure what, what the uh what the Saturday and in my calendar here it actually looks like we might have a matinee on that Sunday too. So I'm not sure. But I know that uh Seattle is is one of the best places for Carbon Leaf to be 
I remember last year it was uh, it was an absolute blast to play out there. Um, and it, it's a it's a rare opportunity for guys and bands to be able to walk around and explore cities. Was so usually usually only there for such a short time, so being there for a couple of days really really gets you to get out and explore and and uh, hopefully the weather's nice. All right, so Wayne, you have no excuses. I, I'm penciling on my calendar right now. Okay. I'm going to be there. Like I say, uh, you got you have to go up the market and throw a fish and do all the fun stuff. Yeah, I saw that last time, and I had two guys. So. Terry and I went for a walk and I remember we were trying to find some spots to do some promotional pictures and we were walking down to uh, to the market there to go see them throw the fish and these two guys basically uh, not like robbed us but <laughs> they were selling CDs like bootleg CDs on the street and they were talking like they were talking so fast and they're giving us these CDs and then Terry and I both hand them over like fifteen dollars or something and then we go to walk away and we looked at each other like did we just get robbed <laughs> like and i had these two cds in my hand and i basically i just tossed them into the garbage can i'm like there's no way i'm ever gonna listen to this so yeah it was uh an interesting interesting scenario that we dealt with there well definitely go Still walk fun. around pike place because um the last time my friend eric was up here um, he was walking around Pike Place, and on the weekends, uh, Matt Cameron just happened to be walking around um, yeah. because his his wife, I guess, is an artist, and she has a booth there at Pike Place Market. So, so he was like, "I should I go talk to him?" Like, yeah, at least go like shake his hand and thank him for all the fantastic music he's contributed to, yeah. to, to the world. But he didn't he didn't do it. He chickened out, kind of like how he chickened out at the uh the meet and greet for carbon leaf like he didn't say he may have said five words to you guys the entire really? time yeah so yeah everyone's different um whenever we do one of the meet and greets like it's it's not usually one of my uh, i shouldn't say that it's not my favorite thing to do but it it's um it can be a little awkward for some people some people are, are really intimidated obviously ben you weren't um, you know, it was, it was, it was a pleasure to, to have you there and, and, and talk music and stuff with you. Um, but you know, it's just hard. It's hard finding what to say and, and finding, you know, a way to relate and, and how to talk. You know, I, I have a tough time talking to famous people. Like I, some, I don't know what to say. I don't want to be, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that we're famous or anything, but I have a hard time, um, disconnecting from that, from, from what, I see on the stage or what I see on the screen or whatever. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to do. There's definitely, uh, there's definitely some people that speak up more or just don't talk at all. Um, so we see, we see all, all types. Well, he was just happy that you guys did big strong man for him. He's been waiting for years to hear that. Didn't we, did we play it on stage that night? No, that was that was at the meeting greet. Okay, I, we we did another one that night uh, that we didn't don't usually play. I think it was like Fox. Yeah, we played Fox and the Hair that night, which I I always kind of loop loop those two songs together because I learned them at the same time. But um, yeah, that was a fun show. That was that was an interesting venue, but a very fun show. That was my first time at Skipper, so I'm definitely going back. That was that was a fun venue. Yeah, you go in there, you're like, am I on like Gilligan's Island right now? Like. 
you're not so sure, but it, it was very fun. It sounded, it's, I thought it sounded good. You know, it's hard to tell from up on stage, but. Yeah, it sounded great. Well, this has been a pleasure. Thank Absolutely. you for revisiting with us. Did I do all right? You did great. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, it, it's, it's like you, you know, maybe do your own podcast or something. I know. Well, just to say before, before, uh, before we wrap it up, thank you so much for having me. And, uh, it was really a pleasure doing this. It was really cool to kind of dive in to, uh, to a record. I know it's revisited, but to dive into a record that I hadn't really, uh, explored before. So I appreciate you guys and you're doing a great job. And I I really, I really enjoyed this and I appreciate it. Absolutely. It was our pleasure. So let's wrap this up. So here we go. Thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Go to a live show, buy a t-shirt of the band, buy a record, visit a record store, and not just on record store day. And Wayne, you need to go see Carbon Leaf in October. We are Records Revisited, and we are out. out.